0: This episode of Bass Streaks is brought to you by Dunlop Bass Strings. Dunlop Bass Strings are made in California and designed by the players of Dunlop to sound and feel the way a string should. With deep lows, strong fundamental punchy mids, and articulate highs. Dunlop Bass Strings offer a complete line with standard nickel and stainless round wounds, flat wounds, and super brights. They're also available in short, medium, and long scales. So go to jimdunlop.com and check out Dunlop Bass Strings. What's up, my friends? Welcome to Dunlop Presents Bass Freaks. The Bass Freaks podcast is a place to gain some insight and inspiration, as well as learn a little something about some truly amazing bass players. I'm your host, Josh Paul, and today's guest is bassist Rich Brown, and we are very honored to have him. He's not only a great bass player, but a great educator with a deep understanding of many musical styles, which makes him a perfect contributor to any project he's part of. Rich has appeared on over 40 recordings in a broad range of musical styles, including jazz, funk, Latin, traditional Asian and Arabic music. He's performed with Dap Theory, Jane Sibbery, Glenn Lewis, Steve Coleman, Vernon Reed and Andy Narrow, just to name a few. And SBL Scott Devine calls Rich Brown his favorite bass player. Rich, welcome to Bass Freaks, man. How are you doing today? I am very well. Thank you very much for having me. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. Thank you. And thank you for doing this. Oh man, it's an honor. So, let's uh let's just dive right in. What drew let's you to the in. bass?
1: Uh well, necessity. I started as a guitar player and um you know, when I got into high school, there were all these other guitar players who were were better than me. <laughs> Uh, And they all needed bass players. So I was like, how hard can it be to switch from guitar to bass? And then that question was very quickly answered.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Isn't that funny that, you know, so many people say, how hard can it be? It's, you know. Yeah, it's it's four strings. It's an easier version of guitar. Exactly. (laughs) So
1: wrong. (laughs) So wrong. Truth. (laughs) uh yeah but that's that's how it sort of came to be and then uh you know i live in toronto i live in canada so like the first band that i got into was a a rush cover band of course um so that was kind of a gateway for me to get into all these sort of different time signatures and you know different ways to approach rhythm and then from there i was just i was hooked like I got into jazz and I really got into Weather Report, which, of course, led me to Jocko and right on down the line. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah.
0: So aside from guitar, did you play any other instruments before? I played a little bit of
1: drums and I played trumpet in high school for like two years. Awesome.
0: (laughs) So how old were you when you actually picked up the bass? And what sold you? What was like, Okay, this is this is what I need to do. Was there
1: that aha moment? Yeah, there was that aha moment. It was, uh, well, I first picked up the bass when I was 17. And, and at that point, I was really into like Sting and Mark King from Level 42. Like I was so heavily, you know, deep into those bands. Uh, and then, you know, I turned on the radio one day and there was a jazz program on. And the host of the program said, um, the great bass player Jaco Pastorius just died. And I was like, who's Jaco Pistorius? And the first thing that they played was the piece Continuum. Mm. And I thought, that's it. That's what I want to do from now on. Like, how is he getting all those sounds from a four string electric bass? Like, that's just unbelievable to me. So, you know, that sort of. Uh, Put me on a path to really just sort of discover the instrument and try new things, and you know really sort of uh, uh, explore the the timbral possibilities with the instrument. Beautiful.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Was uh, was becoming a, a pro musician intentional or was it accidental?
1: uh yeah you know what that was intentional and that was another <laughs> that happened a lot earlier i think i was like 13 years old and i turned the tv on it was like mtv or something and i saw uh van halen's video for unchained you remember that live video oh, oh yeah oh yeah that was like i want to do that <laughs> 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 that what, was the what moment
0: in, what in particular made you say that about that i'm just curious
1: uh, man, just seeing Eddie Van Halen, man, like just those guys were just having the time of their lives. Didn't it look stage. like that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, at that point I was still a guitar player. So I was like, I want to be Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: how things have changed a little how bit.
1: How things have changed. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: There's only one Eddie. Yeah,
0: yeah, you're right. So, um, first,
1: I guess, pro gig, what do you think? First pro gig. You know, it's so funny you asked that question, because I was thinking about this just yesterday. Uh, my first pro gig, ooh boy, was 30 years ago. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, it's a funny story, because I was 22 years old, so, um... There was this college radio program that I used to listen to every week. Uh, And the host of the program was a guy here in Toronto who had this really amazing band called Noise R Us. (laughs) Oh, wow. Uh, I was such a huge fan of this guy. And I would phone him up like weekly just to request some different things. And, uh, you know, through the nature of the request, he sort of ascertained that I was a bass player. And he was like, are you any good? And I was like, I didn't know how to answer that question. So I said, yes. Uh, As you should. Yeah. And he said, well, I need a bass player for this gig I've got coming up. I was like, I couldn't believe this. This is amazing. Like this guy, his name is Bill Grove. I was like, Bill Grove is asking me to audition for his band. So I went and I did the audition and I got the gig. And the first gig was at a little place here in Toronto called the Music Gallery 30 years ago. And it was like... Amazing. It was a, it was literally a dream come true for me. How do you that think, was first uh,
0: pro gig. how do you think, um, well, let me put it this way. So that first feeling of doing your first pro gig, you know, it's always exciting, you know, it's always nerve wracking. And you're like, uh, do you think that you still have that fire after all these years, after 30 years or how yeah. has it
1: uh, evolved? Uh, man, that's a really great question. Um, the answer is definitely, okay. I, I, that's good. That's yeah, good. that's good. Yeah, I love I love that fire. I love you know because the music is always changing and I'm always trying to grow and develop as a musician. I won't, I don't want that to stop ever. So I feel like I'm always learning new things with each sort of musical endeavor and. Uh, I like the fact that, well, I've always loved the fact that music can really reach people on an emotional level. So, uh, you know, realizing that and allowing myself to just be in front of an audience and just tell my story, it's, uh, man, it's, it's a blessing. And I feel grateful for every moment that I get to be on stage doing what I love to do, you know. So yeah, the fire is still there for sure. Amazing. So important. Yeah, yeah so
0: absolutely. Man. Uh, do you still do you still play guitar? Not as much. Okay. Yeah. How do you think uh how do you think playing guitar has influenced your bass playing?
1: Well, you know, when I started playing bass, um the idea of improvisation was very important to me, and I started listening to different bass players, but I felt like There was so much, um, I mean, to really be specific, there was so much pentatonic language in improvisation at that time, and it didn't really move me that much. So I started to move away from that, and guitar players were the first source for me that really sort of inspired me, particularly guys like uh, Pat Metheny and John Schofield. They've been huge influences on my playing as much as any of the bass players that have influenced me, so... So that was a big thing. And of course, you know, just coming from a guitar background gave me a little more facility on the instrument just to, to start with, you know.
0: Uh, yeah, you got a yeah. little bit of a head start, although the strings are a little thicker. The strings are. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and I don't use a pick. Right, <laughs> right, right. Not that um, I, you know, I, I don't mind anyone who does. but uh, Oh, yeah, you got to throw that in there. Yeah, yeah. I I, I don't want to discourage anyone from their path. Why does
0: Rich Brown hate players to play with a pick?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that'll be the next meme. I'll be canceled.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Um, So, you have a lot of information and a really great understanding of, of music at a deep level. What did
1: you study to gain the knowledge? um well thank you for that uh i i'm self-taught so i mean when i say that i realize that most musicians are really self-taught no matter what the process they have to go through the work themselves but for me my education really came from listening to uh listening to albums um when i first started playing bass it wasn't uncommon for me to practice for like Twelve hours in a day because it didn't really feel like practice it felt like a game and a challenge and I was having so much fun I would just like put one record on and try to learn it from top to bottom and then I'd put another record on and try to learn that from top to bottom and then when I ran out of records I would just put the radio on and just try to learn every song that came on the radio that is such an awesome challenge yeah I think I'm gonna try that yeah man it's it's pretty amazing I mean, I don't have the time to do that now. But yeah, yeah. But in that sort of developmental stage, it was probably the most important and fun thing I could have done at the time. And man, twelve hours. <laughs> yeah. When you're in it like that, twelve hours just goes by like that. My mom right. would like knock on the door and be like, um, "Are you having dinner? Cause- <laughs> <laughs> or are you alive?"
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, man. man. Um, so it's, you know, the last few years have been kind of crazy, um, with the world shutting down and what did you do to stay creative
1: during that time? Um, I panicked first of all, and then I realized that I have to somehow keep going. So I, you know, I ended up practicing a lot and then, um, I started a YouTube channel. (laughs) Oh, very cool. What is it? Uh, it's called The Brownstone. It's basically like a, uh, kind of a base education sort of channel where I just upload lessons. Uh, I try to upload lessons on a weekly basis. It's been a little bit busy now, and I haven't been able to do it for the last couple of months. But uh, but that was sort of the first thing that came to mind, just to keep myself busy and challenged and uh, and also keep myself playing. Because if I'm going to put lessons online, then I have to, you know, not only know what I'm talking about, but also have the facility to demonstrate whatever idea I want to, uh, you know, get across to people. So that was a big part of it. And then just, you know, practicing to keep my chops up. For, Ooh, that's a,
0: you know, for me, uh, yeah. personally, I, I it gave me a chance to reassess so many different things. Yeah, and you, you spoke about gratitude earlier. It, it yeah. really made me think uh, and realize how grateful I am for the things that are right in front of my face that Dude, you really do take for granted on a daily basis. That's so. So important. that was one
1: thing that I. Learned, yeah, man. But, yeah. That's very important. Yes, I would wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, and I think, you know, despite my tendency to procrastinate, I, I, I learned a lot about my own sort of resilience and ability to to push forward in the face of, you know, this sort of adversity where I didn't even know if or when gigs would be coming back. I didn't know if I'd be traveling to tour again. Like, all that was up in the air. And, <clears throat> and I panicked, and then I came out of that panic and said, okay, now I got to get to work. So uh, I don't often pat myself on the back, but for that, I think uh, I'm kind of proud of the way that I that I was able to work through the pandemic and still maintain a pretty busy schedule and um, some semblance of an income during that time. (laughs) How do you
0: think? uh, Did you? do you think that your teaching process changed a little bit for the purposes of social media and youtube and filming and that sort of thing well
1: um no and that's only because i had a lot of um i had a lot of opportunity to teach on camera with a couple of different people um most notably scott divine and you know doing a lot of things through Scott's space lessons Yes. Awesome. So that was a good way to sort of prepare me for this, you know, just teaching on camera, this sort of new way of bass education or education in general. Yeah. So it was a good primer. I, I, I love it personally.
0: I, yeah. I love the amount of information <laughs> that is out there on that end. Um, Absolutely. I, it, my son who's 13 has just picked up playing bass. Oh cool. And he is playing these things and he's playing these runs already. He's been playing for 2 weeks. I oh mean my God. He, Oh, I mean, he's playing, you know, uh Beatles <laughs> tunes and I was like, "Wow. I I've sat down with you a few times, but I haven't We haven't gone through any of this stuff." He's all, I said, "Where did you learn this?" "Oh, YouTube, dad." Yeah. <laughs> it's all on
1: YouTube. Yeah. It's pretty amazing, huh? It really is. So yeah. I got I got it. I really got into cooking. I'm a total foodie. And YouTube has been an amazing resource for like recipes. I mean, you can get anything on YouTube. It's yeah. amazing.
0: Yeah. I learned how to change a uh, headlight in a car because I'm not a fixer Ooh, type of a guy. I, yeah. I don't do that. That's amazing. <laughs> I, I just play, man, and I <laughs> talk to people and I like to have fun and drink yeah, coffee. Yeah, brother. <laughs> That's I did learn how to change a headlight. So thank you, you too. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Man, what do you uh, what do you think is missing in younger players coming up now? Patience. Mm. Um,
1: yeah. People, I don't know. It, it, the the whole internet thing is kind of a double edged sword, right? Because on the one hand there's all this information out there, but on the other hand, there's like, there are just these snippets of people just shredding on the instrument, and um, and I get young students who just want to get there like right now, and and they don't have they don't have the patience. I I, I don't want to make any blanket statements about students in general, but I find um, a lot of the time that new students want to know how to be uh as awesome as possible as soon as possible like and just skip all the the necessary steps to get there right i think that's what's missing but i think that's gratification yeah 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 but i i feel like that's been the case forever yeah yeah
0: yeah i want to be awesome right now right now (laughs) yeah i used to
1: where's that Wait, button a, give me that button <laughs> give me that button i used to i used to teach like my first job ever was teaching at a music school like i would teach guitar to music school i was like 19 years old or something and uh you know i would get these kids like five six-year-old kids would come in and they would like barely know how to play mary had a little lamb and then they would leave the lesson and then the dad would invariably like walk into the room and be like okay so, how long until he's really good? And I'm just like, why? Why is that up to me? Yeah. Like, <laughs> and I guess, and I
0: guess it's kind of subjective as well. I mean, that's it. The dad's opinion of really good might, I'm be, yeah, might be I don't know. Can he play Tom Sawyer or can he play Mary Had a Little Lamb? I don't know. <laughs> you, me, right.
1: you know, and at that time, most of these kids just wanted to play like green day you know like yeah
0: Yeah. (laughs) what do you what do you see uh as encouraging from uh the young guns um i see a lot of uh
1: i see a lot of innovation and just pushing the instrument forward like you know when i see a guy like mono neon like there's just so much going on that has never happened before on the instrument, you know and thats I find that encouraging because I i see the effect that he has on other young musicians and the fact that he's really uh, become an influence and an inspiration to a lot of young players. No fear. Yeah, no fear. Exactly. Yeah. Be who you are yeah. without apology. You know, I, I dig that.
0: Who are you liking right now? I dig that too. Who are yeah. you liking right now? Uh, as far
1: as bass is concerned, mm-hmm. uh, definitely Mono Neon. I love Bernice Travis, uh, who plays with Robert Glasper and Yeba and a bunch of other people. Um, There's an amazing bass player in Italy named Daniele Camarda, who is, uh, I don't know, it seems like he's taken classical repertoire and learned how to incorporate that into sort of the jazz lexicon somehow. Uh, and he plays a seven string, and it's just, man, it's beautiful. Um, <clears throat> and I, you know, and I, I still like guys like Matt Garrison and Jimmy Haslip and um, Schooly Sparrison, who's like a big hero to me. Uh, and I still go back and listen to Jocko because I love that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Me huh? too. Yeah. Me too. Um. What
0: music do you listen to that really inspires you? You know
1: what's inspiring me lately is um, a lot of like rare 70s kind of groove-oriented stuff. Um, I do a I do a radio show here in Toronto. Oh, cool. And uh, a lot of the show really explores that side of jazz in the 70s where... Jazz was at this sort of pivotal moment where artists started to incorporate more like funk and rock and gospel influences into their their sound. So I'm thinking about people like Roy Ayers and uh, Gary Bartz, uh, uh, Patrice Russian, uh, just a lot of like really cool sort of rare groove 70s stuff. I'm totally into that right now. What is the name of the, the show? The show is called New Origins and it's on, uh, it's on Jazz FM here in Toronto. Okay. Can anyone else uh, find that or? Yeah, you can stream it. Unfortunately, it's not archived anywhere. So you would have to stream it live. It's on at 10 o'clock on Tuesday nights. uh, And that's the Eastern time zone. Very cool. Yeah. I'm going to check that out for sure. It's a lot of fun.
0: Awesome. What was it like to be in a band like Dap
1: Theory? Oh wow! Well, that was uh, uh, probably the most—I uh, don't know—formative time of my career. Like I was, uh, I was learning so much in that band, and I learned a lot about not only my just my own playing, but a lot about composition and improvisation and using, uh, you know, different sort of melodic structures and rhythmic structures like i'm so grateful for that opportunity to be in that band because it really it it shaped who i am now as a musician more so than any other project uh before or since you know wow yeah so okay so that, it has that big of an impact on you yeah man i mean you know the 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 heaviest thing was our, you know, we had a residency in Los Angeles. This was a long time ago. It was like 20 years ago. We had this residency in Los Angeles uh, at a place called Rocco, where we would play uh, five nights a week, and we were there for a month. It was amazing. Oh. And word kind of got out that there was this band. I mean, you know, the band was mainly from New York. So word got out that there was this band from New York playing every night at this place called Rocco. And man, all these musicians just started showing up. Everyone from like Greg Bissonette to Seal would just show up and like Seal showed up one night and he was he was on his phone. He's like, "I'm tr- I'm trying to call Joni. She's my next-door neighbor. Like she needs to come and see this band." It was man, it was amazing and we had so much fun and yeah, it uh it it made me realize like the 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 tears, you know, there are levels of success and levels of musicianship and levels of musicians themselves. And when you see all these tears in front of you from like student to legend, all just kind of like in this one room digging what you're doing. There's, man, there's nothing like that. Yeah, it's the it's the craziest thing, you know?
0: How do you explain uh, the that music to someone who's
1: never heard it um dab theory is a band that uh, was really taking influences from you know weather report and later sort of electric miles Davis and incorporating uh, I don't want to say odd time signatures because that's a bit reductive. I feel like. You know different sort of rhythmic and harmonic structures that uh that didn't you know alienate the listener. It wasn't like odd times for the sake of odd times, like everything grooved really hard, no matter what the time signature was, and I, I think that was paramount to the music Fine. uh yeah. So it's not, you know, we're not just playing in 13, we're like, there's, there's a groove that's being established and the time signature, you know, is irrelevant. It's the, it's the groove that matters. And, you know, even though we might be playing in some sort of odd meter, there's always that, that head nod factor. There's always that bounce, you know? That's
0: important. How did you, I mean, cause it's, it's difficult to do that yeah, and do it yeah. well, right? Because a lot of musicians are concentrating on, okay, am I going to mess this up? Uh, what are we playing? <laughs> <Right>. I, <can't, laughs> I can barely tap my foot in this time signature, but yeah. I have to be able to
1: bob my head. So how yeah. do you practice that? What helps? Um, well, I yeah, this is something that I teach a lot of people. I feel like for me, the, the, the simplest approach is to take the largest subdivision and feel that all the way through. So if I've got something happening in like seven, then I'll I'll probably like feel seven four or seven two, right? Okay. So already your head's moving. Right. You know right. what I mean?
0: Yeah.
1: It's like so, you know, it's like when you so listen to Me- you- Meshuggah or one of those bands. Yeah, where the the time signature is like who knows, <laughs> but you know people are just headbanging like right. That's that's the vibe. Okay, so it's really the way that
0: you're approaching. Well, not only the count but the feel. So it's just yeah your thought process on it.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah, more so the count than anything else. Because if I can just get that that pulse to happen. And I don't have to count. I can, you know, everyone can sort of feel the space of a, a 4 4 bar and even like eight bars of a 4 4 time signature. So for me, the challenge was to be able to feel seven beats in a bar.
0: Wait a second. Or, I have met some people who have issues with that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're right, Josh. <laughs> You're so right, my brother. <laughs>
0: I love them. I love him. Yes. I love him.
1: I feel Yes. For him, we love yeah. him. Anyway, go ahead. We love Sorry. We love you, <laughs> Lars. No. <laughs> uh, I joke. Uh, all right. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, but that's, you know, I feel like once once you establish that uh, that bounce, then the numbers are irrelevant, you know. Right.
0: Got you. Okay.
1: Yeah. Very cool. Very cool.
0: Uh, let's talk about musical projects. What determines um,
1: which projects you take on? Uh, I mean, I guess it's just my interest at the time. Um, I've I've put out, I have three albums that I've put out, two with my band and one that was just like a solo bass recording. And I'm working on a second solo bass album right now. Very cool. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean, for me I I feel like I'm in this phase where I really want to discover more about the instrument that I play. This my th- my main instrument is this one. This is a six-string um made by a guy named Kenneth Lawrence who lives in California. Um and it's become my voice. So um what do you like about it? I like it's I like the evenness of its tone from top to bottom. A lot of six strings, they give you like that low end, but then when you get into the higher register, it just it sounds like it just wasn't made for that, you know? Okay. Whereas with Ken's basses there's it just sings no matter where you play it. And I love getting into the high register where you can really sort of, you know, play a melody that can really just move people i love that because i can add vibrato and i can get really expressive way up there and then when i get back down to the low register there's that that beef you know yeah
0: can you talk about the bass a little bit before we go back to the projects
1: yeah the the bass uh as i said it's a six string uh, it's called a unity six because the body is made of um mahogany and ash i'll show it to you So this is the deal. There's the mahogany and the ash on the back okay. Uh, with a rosewood fingerboard. And um, I believe the face plate is Coca-Boa.
0: Ooh.
1: Yeah. Uh, I love this thing. Yeah, it's pretty. really great. Uh, pickups? The pickups, I had the pickups changed. They were originally Seymour Duncan's, um, but I found that the output was, was pretty low. So I had them changed to Bartolini's and uh you know now now I get all the the headroom that I want you know beautiful it's great
0: all right
1: so you're you're working on your next uh solo record I am yes um yeah and it's really about uh using the bass and the studio as a tool so by that I mean um I just want to use the technology to make the instrument sound like a bass and everything else. So mm. you know, I'm using techniques that sound like drums, and you know, I'm using other techniques on the bass, like using an ebow on the bass to make it sound a bit more like maybe like a flute or something like that. Or um, yeah, just trying to discover as many different sounds as possible on the instrument and then just using the studio to to enhance that process even more so that it just doesn't sound like it's me in a room playing bass because nobody wants to listen to that i do i do uh, what uh
0: so is it there's no other instrumentation no
1: it's just me yeah oh just, awesome okay. yeah all the all the sounds are going to be made just with this one instrument very cool yeah yeah that's
0: that's that's interesting. That's brave. And that's
1: awesome. <laughs> I'm, I'm really looking forward to putting out. I mean, the, the last solo record that I did was very much just like me and the bass and a few overdubs. Okay. So it was just bass. Got it. Awesome. But, but now I, re- I really want to see where I can take that idea and, uh, and try to orchestrate something that involves more sounds, but still coming from this one source. Very cool. How
0: yeah. would you uh,
1: how would you recommend
0: that that players find their voice? And do you think it's important for bass players to find their voice on their instrument? Uh,
1: hmm. I feel like if they want to, it's important. Okay. Be- because I know a lot of musicians who are you know they just want to get up on stage and have fun and play like a twelve bar blues and go home. Right. So if, you know, if they're not into finding their voice, then who am I to say, you should be doing this and this. But uh, for those who think, really... W- do you think that it's important to be able
0: to or to take that journey? I th- I think it is. Uh,
1: very much so. But uh, yeah, that's that's me. And I, I feel like um, a really good way to do that excuse me, a really good way to do that is to just listen to as much music and as many different styles as you possibly can. Um, So I don't know, I mean, I, I, I I love Bach, just as much as I love Thelonious Monk, just as much as I love Meshuggah, you know, like, I, I try to get into as many different styles as possible, because all of that can really inform and inspire the way that you play which is so exciting to me like the fact that you can take all these very disparate ideas and combine them into one sort of unique thing because everyone's going to get something different from you know whatever influence um so it's that combination we are all the sum of our of our influences so when you when you combine all of those influences all the things that you're listening to and all the things that inspire you that's you No one else is going to have that, you know? Right. Good point. Yeah, I really dig that. Very cool. Yeah.
0: What uh, challenges you at this stage of your career?
1: Um, Vocabulary. I feel like I'm going through a bit of growing pains, to be candid. Uh, I, I don't like listening to myself solo even though it's like a huge part of what I do on this instrument, particularly with this six string. Um, And I find that I'm, that I'm at that stage where I'm repeating myself a lot. So I'm trying to challenge myself to uh, expand my vocabulary and, you know, using, um, classical music and sort of traditional jazz, um, to help with that process and really just help to bring some new ideas to the table. You know? Yeah. Okay. That's a huge challenge. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's kicking my butt, man. <laughs> well,
0: you're right <laughs> up on it. it. <laughs> Thanks, <man. laughs> what uh, What's it like being part of uh, Scott's bass lessons?
1: Oh, it's so fun. Yeah. It's, it's kind of amazing. The empire that that dude has built. For sure. Uh, for sure. Yeah. It's I mean I, I love it. And the you know, the fact that I've done these different courses and Scott is such an amazing, beautiful guy. Um and there are so many people who watch that that channel, that site, you know? So the heaviest thing is like if I'm in Germany or something and somebody will come up to me and go, Oh man, I love what you do. I saw you on Scott's bass lessons. It still blows my mind, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like really, um, but it's fun, and it's also you know as I was saying before, like it's really helped me to uh, hone my skill as an educator in this new sort of digital format, you know, mm-hmm. or or uh, yeah, um, it takes
0: it takes a special talent to be yeah. able to do that. I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. you said you loved it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. What 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 is it about it that appeals to you the most? The uh,
0: the show, the uh, Scott Space lessons, or well,
1: what? no, ab- about uh, um, uh, teaching online. Well, no, I'm
0: I'm okay. Admittingly, I am a terrible teacher, <laughs> <I'm> horrible. <laughs> but I enjoy watching lessons and learning oh, from I different see. people. And, oh, I Oh, yeah, I misunderstood. I'm, I'm, you, I'm more really. of a student. I'm not a teacher. I'm awful because here's here's my version of teaching okay here we go all right just do this okay got it good all right moving on that'll be 50 bucks yeah, yeah man i'm 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 no good but but i watch people and i see people um that are that can really uh connect Yeah, yeah, yeah. make a difference in someone's playing and to me that is so inspiring and so important and is changing you know the scope of things change you can change the world and that goes with school teachers as
1: well absolutely could not agree more yeah I, i think we all have the ability to be like awesome educators if we're able to just you know show people because we, you know, I, mean, I guess we all have something that we can impart, no matter what level. I mean, I learn so much from my students, you know, uh, and I get excited about that. So, you know, I feel like in a way we're all, we're all just exchanging information. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Good point. What would, uh,
0: before we wrap things up here, what would be your dream gig?
1: Good question. Uh, I've always wanted to to play in John Schofield's band. Hear that, John? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that would be a really awesome gig. Also, D'Angelo, like any of those, ooh, like, ooh, you know, ooh, ooh. yeah, those, those hip kind of R&B gigs would be, would be pretty sweet. Yeah. Those There's would be my top two, for sure. Like D'Angelo and Schofield. Same tour.
0: Same, <laughs> co-headlining, co-headlining, <laughs> and you can open with your just you. Yeah, there. just
1: me, yeah. yeah. and then yeah,
0: triple there you bill. Go. Hey, if you're gonna do it, you might as well do it, right? <laughs> <laughs> go bigger,
1: go bigger, go home.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. All right, what what uh, last little piece of? I mean, you, you're full of some brilliant advice and information, but Thank is you. there anything else that you want to add to uh, players out there, to our listeners? um
1: yeah enjoy the process you know uh i remember scott asked me this before and i I have the same answer my answer never changes like when you're learning something new on the instrument or when you're learning something new in general um it's gonna suck for a while it's just that's just the way it is but you can't let that discourage you you know you just have to realize that you know the reason why you picked the instrument up, the the enthusiasm that you had when you initially thought this is what I want to do, has to be maintained. That has to stay in the foreground. So then when you, you're you picking up a new idea, the, the goal is always in sight. You always have your eye on the prize because you know that the reward is going to be amazing. When you finally nail that one idea and incorporate it into your own thing and make it yours, that's like you know the sky just opens up so enjoy the process and don't get discouraged when it sounds like garbage because it's going to sound like garbage and then it's not <laughs> <laughs> great advice thank you so
0: much man thank for joining you, us and doing this taking the time and thank you for listening into the bass freaks podcast stay healthy spread love spread joy kindness good vibes and inspiration and remember you got this follow your path whatever it may be and just play until next time cheers and a huge thank you to dunlop for making this show possible make sure you check out bass freaks wherever you get your podcasts. cheers to you